The Productive Woman, Episode 308. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, I am so excited to share with you my conversation with professional organizer Lisa Woodruff about managing paper clutter. You'll find more information about Lisa, along with links to resources she recommends and the ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 308. This episode is brought to you by Woven. You know, time is the most valuable asset we have, but the tools we have to manage time are broken. It's so easy to feel out of control with your calendar, and and even then you need one or two add-ons to have it do the things you need to do. Well, Woven was created to build into the calendar all the things you need, syncing, scheduling, even analytics, all in one place so you can own your schedule and make time for what matters most. Woven allows you to sync your Google and Microsoft calendar accounts so you can see everything all in one place. Uh, you can get powerful scheduling tools. So if you ever have to schedule those conference calls or meetings, you can do that right through Woven uh, with personalized scheduling links, published office hours, even group polls, which can save a huge amount of time instead of those back and forth emails of, well, does this time work for you? Oh, no, no, but I could do this day. That kind of thing is uh, of the past if you have Woven working for you. Woven allows you to rapidly time block your week and protect your time with smart templates. And they have online tutorials to show you how to do all this stuff very simply. They even offer instant insights into how you're actually spending your time because they've got built-in analytics. So you can really see, am I making the best use of my time right now? I found Woven very easy to get it set up and started. And as I said, they offer these tutorials to help you get the most out of what it can offer. If you need to get your calendar under control, you can try Woven today for free. So go to woven.com slash podcast slash TPW to learn more and to try it out today for free. I hope you'll give it a shot and let me know what you think of it. So now let's get right into my conversation with Lisa. I am delighted to welcome back to The Productive Woman, Lisa Woodruff. Lisa is a productivity and home organization expert who motivates and teaches busy women to take back control of their lives with functional systems that work. She is, as many of you know, the founder and CEO of Organize 365. She's also the host of her own top-rated podcast, where she shares strategies for reducing the overwhelm, clearing the mental clutter, and living a productive and organized life. She's authored several Amazon best-selling books and is a sought-after trainer and speaker, and she lives in Cincinnati, Ohio with her family. 
Many of you will remember that she was our guest way back in January 2017, where we talked about the sorts of things I talk about with most of my guests. But since then, she has written a new book that offers solutions to a problem I think a lot of us face, and that's paper clutter. And I have been looking forward to talking with her about how we can conquer that paper clutter in our homes and workspaces. So welcome, Lisa. Laura, thank you so much for having me back. It's such an honor. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. Um, You were, as I mentioned, with us about three and a half years ago. Um, Before we get into the good stuff about your new book and, and about dealing with paper, What's been going on with you since we last talked in January of 2017? Oh my gosh, so much stuff, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like I'm getting ready to go into my fourth iteration of business. And when we talked, I was ending my second. So I was finishing up my in-home professional organization. I had launched my podcast. I had a 100-day home organization program course that we were selling. And I was getting ready to make a huge investment in moving forward. And at the end of 2017, I hired seven people in seven weeks. They were part-time people. Mm. Um, And since I have hired six full-time staff people, and all this is in moving our business from an online research resource and a podcast into actually a physical product answer. Mm. Like as I was doing in-home organizing, I realized that filing cabinets weren't working for people. And the answer was binders, but it wasn't just binders. It was like binders with workbooks and slash pockets in them. And the Sunday basket system was working for people, but they were confused because they couldn't buy slash pockets that were all the same color. They weren't manufactured that way. So Mm -hmm. I took some time. I invested in people. I invested in a lot of lawyers (laughs) for intellectual property attorneys, trademarks, patents, and actually created the physical Sunday basket system, got a warehouse, upgraded to a bigger warehouse. And just last month, we moved into an 8,000 square foot warehouse and home uh, headquarters for Organize 365. Wow. Lots of changes. Mm-hmm. That's pretty exciting. Um, it's, it sounds like things are going well for you, I guess. Yes, I feel like, you know, my friend Tara always laughs and she's like, Lisa, every time you do anything, you go, now I'm a real business. <laughs> and I feel like now I'm a real business. Like when you say I'm the founder and CEO, I maybe would have called myself that back in the beginning of 2017, but I was the CEO of like myself and a personal assistant. <laughs> I was like the founder of an online course. Now I have, you know, a physical headquarters, full-time people with benefits. I feel like now it's a real business. <laughs> And and who knows where it'll go from there. I mean, obviously, you know, what you're doing is striking a chord and and serving a need for a lot of us and Mm -hmm. transitioning from just general home organization and all that sort of thing into what you're doing now. And we'll, for those who haven't yet read your materials and maybe aren't as familiar with you, we'll, I'll certainly put a link in the show notes to, you know, your website and those sorts of things. But you know, you're well known for, I want to get into the paper stuff specifically, but you're well known in a lot of circles for the Sunday basket system, which you mentioned a minute ago. Can you real briefly, for those who maybe don't know, tell me, what do you mean by the Sunday basket? The Sunday basket is a system that I've developed over time. I'm a former teacher, I'm a parent, and it is essentially how you can get rid of a to-do list, 
Get rid of everything off of your kitchen counter. Empty out your brain onto index cards so that you're not trying to remember to get your hair cut, to get milk, to get all of these things. And yet remember to do them once a week. It's a way of freeing up your everyday from living in a reactive mode and trying to just get things done on your to-do list to proactively planning on Sunday and doing as much as possible in a 90-minute session and then planning out the rest of the week what you're going to get done and deferring everything you can until the next Sunday. And then maybe it won't need to get done or it will get done in a more effective manner because you will bulk your tasks and do them all at once. So you will batch your tasks and do all of your ordering on Amazon all at once on Sunday or you will do all of your errands on Tuesday morning before you go to work. And by doing things batched like that, you save a lot of time. And the people who do the Sunday basket, on average, save five hours every single week, starting in their sixth week of changing their habit from doing reactive to-do lists to proactively planning on Sunday. Yeah. To oversimplify it, it really, the system started out from your own need Mm -hmm. to deal with all this stuff you had piled everywhere. And it literally starts with a basket. It could be a laundry basket or whatever, that whatever things are going to need your attention at some point, all get put in there instead of piled on the kitchen counter. And then you have that dedicated time to go through it and figure out what to do with each of those things. Am am I capturing it? I know it's oversimplified, but. Yes. You know, it's such a simple system. You're right. I did create it 20 years ago when Joey was two years old and Abby was six months old and I was paying bills late and it wasn't because we didn't have money. There would be times where we didn't have money in the future. But at that time, it wasn't that we didn't have the money. I didn't have the time. My paper piles weren't organized. Everything wasn't as digitized as it is today, although I don't find that being a way for us to be more organized. If anything, there are more places we have to check all of the different to-dos that we need to do, different apps, emails, all those kinds of things. It's just a a systemization of your actionable to-dos at home just like you would have at work. Like when you go into work, you would check your email in the morning. You would check it at the end of the day. On Friday, you would review what you've done that week and remind people about your appointments next week. It's the same kind of concept, only for your house. Yeah. And I love it. I mean, it's such a great system. And I know it has helped so many people just around the country, maybe around the world, because it's just a simple, actionable way to deal with all that stuff. And that's been around for years. It's helped, as I said, lots and lots of people, but you have sort of narrowed the focus recently. And this was the reason I wanted you to come back and talk to us because you've got a new book out called The Paper Solution. As this episode is published, it has just released. And so it's available for people to buy. I was fortunate enough to get to read a pre-release copy And it was so good and so just so helpful and encouraging and very actionable that I wanted to ask you to come back and talk about some of those things uh, that you cover in the book. And so I guess my first question is, having started kind of with general organization, you know, home organization and that sort of stuff, why now write a book about paper clutter? Why that specifically at this time? Yeah, that is such a great question. And if you search, there just are not books on paper organization. And I think the reason why there are not books on paper organization are twofold. One, people think that the solution to paper clutter is to digitize everything. And I disagree. 
And second, paper organization is hard. Mm. It's difficult. Because if you were to organize a kitchen, you are all already picturing your kitchen or other kitchens that you see on Pinterest. It's very easy to follow someone's course or read a book about it or go through a magazine and get ideas for organizing your kitchen. But the only ideas that are out there for organizing your paper are to color code your filing cabinet, <laughs> basically, is it. That is that is the or digitize it. And what I found with my clients when I was professionally in-home organizing clients' filing cabinets it did not matter the colors I used, if I used a file inside of a file, if I did finders. It didn't matter how I organized their paper. They could not maintain their paper because people think paper is one category. And they think that they think it's all one category. And then they also think that every single individual piece of paper that they touch is special and a unique snowflake. And it cannot go into any other category. And so they create extra files or they'll have like, you know, a file for every single car instead of one car file. And how, how many files, how little files you don't know. And then the other thing that people have in the back of their mind, and I'm sure you've heard this as well, touch your paper once. Like we don't say touch your clothing once, but we do say you should only touch a piece of paper once. I don't know who originally said that, but now we walk around holding a piece of paper going, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know where it goes, but I know I can't touch it again. So what do I do with it? And I was running into all of these issues with my clients and in all the other areas of their home, I could set up a system, teach them the system and they would maintain it. Didn't matter if they had ADHD or depression or whatever, it would always work. But with paper, the Sunday basket system worked for them, but their filing cabinets never did. And so I thought, okay, we've got to, we've got to create categories of paper so people know what kinds of paper go in which categories. And then we need to teach people how to organize those categories. And then the final straw about why I created binders instead of files and why I wrote the paper solution was in 2016 when the hurricanes uh, went through Florida and Texas and the wildfires kept ravaging California. My clients would reach out to me by email who had organized their homes with me and they would say, we have to evacuate. How do I take the paper with me? Mm. And it was in filing cabinets. And I said, you don't. So get out. Like just get out. And I thought to myself, how can I be an expert in teaching people how to organize their home when they have enough time to evacuate their house and I cannot tell them how to evacuate? And I said, that's it. We've got to ditch the filing cabinets. We have to completely get rid of them so that we stop using them. They are not serving us. You can't use it to go to a lawyer to settle a state. You can't take your medical files to a doctor. You, we're, we're, our paper needs to be portable. It needs to be in binders. Just a few binders. Three to six is about any family needs. And then you can keep your IRS documents and your house mortgage documents, but you don't need filing cabinets anymore. And as soon as I said, let's get rid of the filing cabinet, it's kind of like taking all of your pants out of your closet. If I <laughs> sent you into your closet right now and I said, I need you to declutter your pants, you might pull out a couple of pairs of pants by just looking at them in your closet. But if you pull all your pants out and put them on your bed and try them all on your body, you will get rid of at least twice as many because your pants are no longer in their home, which is the closet. We have to get our papers completely out of filing cabinets and not let them go back into filing cabinets to realize we can get rid of 85%. Mm. 
You know, that's funny to call an idea like that revolutionary, but it kind of is. I, I was thinking as you were talking of the file cabinets we have in our home and one in a storage unit that has all our important stuff in, but it's not here in the house because we moved mm -hmm. and, and we're, you know, reorganizing some things. And I was, I was thinking about that and how when paper goes into the file cabinet, it seldom ever comes back out. True. It just keeps collecting there. And, and maybe to back up a little bit, part of the issue for me, and I'm guessing for a lot of people, because I'm not guessing, this has come up in conversations in you know, productive woman mastermind groups and stuff. We have so much paper coming into our homes and our workplaces. And, you know, I, I thought of, you know, I would thought about this when you were describing walking around with that piece of paper or the mail that came in and, okay, I need to do something with this. And if I'm going to be really efficient, I need to never touch it again. Where should this go? I have to decide right now, you know, where this belongs. And a couple of things. I love the idea of the Sunday basket where you've got a basket instead of it sort of sitting on the kitchen counter till I decide what to do with it, it can go in there and sort of be out of sight. But before we even get to that point, do you have any suggestions on how we can reduce the amount of paper we have coming into our homes and workplaces? Because even though we as a society have been, you know, especially businessy type people have been talking about a paperless office for decades. Paper is still a huge source of, of clutter and of, of stress really, because there's so much coming at us. So any suggestions on what we can do about that? Yeah, I think number one, realizing that we can have less paper, but we're never going to be paperless. Because if you realize that and then you go, okay, well, there's going to be paper because I feel like for a while I was trying to get rid of every single piece of paper and I'm not a digital person. So I started to digitize it and that was terrible for me. Um, so recognize that we are going to have paper, especially in America. In Japan, they don't have as much paper. Did you know that in Japan, they don't even have birth certificates? Like it's all electronic. Wow. But in the United States, we are not an electronic country. It's not. We have some things digitized, but we have a lot of paper. So recognize that it's a fact of life and stop trying to get rid of it and then figure out how you can work with it. And then um, if you're getting a lot of magazines, if you're getting a lot of junk mail, there are some different services you can go to to get those unsubscribed from. But just know that you're going to be recycling a lot of stuff each week. And as you go through the mail, recycle what you can and put what needs actionable work into your Sunday basket. Or if you've also Moved on into our work boxes. I put my work mail and to-dos in a work box I do on Friday, and I put my household ones in a Sunday basket I do on Sunday. Hmm. Then thinking about that, you, you mentioned a minute ago when you were kind of talking about the big picture here, this idea of coming up with categories of paper. And mm -hmm. I guess now we're kind of getting into your system a little bit, and we don't need to you know, do the whole, describe the whole thing here. Cause I really, in case the, the folks listening haven't figured this out, I highly recommend you get a copy of this book. If you have any issues with paper and I don't know anybody who doesn't, but without, you know, just going through the whole system, what are the highlights, I guess, what are the categories of paper that you were referring to and what should we be doing with them? 
Yeah, thank you. You know, the paper solution as a book, it can be read as a book, but it really is a reference. When my, when my father got sick and then when my father passed away and I was the executor of his estate, there was no resource out there for me for how to organize his medical paperwork, how to advocate for him in that, how to be his power of attorney, and then ultimately how to settle his estate. And so in the paper solution, I often say as an organizer, there's going to be a time in your life at least once where life gets moving so fast, it is literally going to run you over. And almost every single time that happens, there is a paper component to that experience. Whether it's someone gets cancer, someone passes away, you have to evacuate your house because a fire is coming, there is always a paper-worthy event there. And there are two categories of paper. There is your everyday Sunday basket paper. This is actionable stuff that comes into your house or ideas you have in your head that need action that we've kind of talked about. And then the other is archival. And there are up to six binders that you can have. Everyone is going to have at least these main three. So the main three is medical, one medical binder for each person, financial, and then household reference. And household reference is any paper that is related to your house that you would give to a new owner or you would give to the next tenant that's renting after you. Hmm. And then the optional binders are a household operations binder, which is kind of like the lesson plan for your house, like all the magazine clippings that you keep and recipes you want to try and how to take care of your pets and information for house sitters and parties and vacations. And then you can have two optional kid binders, one for their school artwork and one for advocating for them if they have any special needs and need an IEP in school. I'm really liking this idea. And it just occurred to me that since I know we have listeners in other countries besides the United States, and I don't know what terminology they might use for this, but by a binder, you're, you're talking about a notebook type of thing, something that can be put on the shelf. Yeah, three ring binder that you open up and you put um, loose leaf paper in. And um, excitingly, Laura, the paper solution is available in the United States and Canada, but it is also available in all the English speaking UK countries. And it's been translated to that kind of English. Oh. I cannot wait to get my copy to read the paper solution in um, probably what they say, proper English. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great. I always want to kind of be cognizant of the fact that the terminology we use here uh, may be different. Uh, and I want to make sure people know what we're talking about. So your part of the paper solution is to get all those papers uh, that we've traditionally been told to put in color-coded file folders in a file cabinet, get them out of there and put them into these binders that can just go on a shelf somewhere handy, which you've alluded to more than once. It's a great idea from the sense of if there's a crisis and you have to leave the home quickly, I'm thinking of, as we're talking right now, just a couple of weeks ago, one of my sisters, her home burned to the ground oh and they barely God. made it out before the roof collapsed oh. and they lost everything, every important paper, because oh. like you said, here in the United States, at least there's paper for everything. My husband had to get a copy of our, we've been married for 41 years. He had to track down a copy of our marriage license to, to give to somebody at work to the HR department for mm -hmm. something to prove that I'm a dependent, I think, uh, so I could stay on the insurance. And, you know, so we've got to have access to some of those kinds of papers 
But if they're in a file cabinet, you're right. There's no time in a crisis, whether it's a flood or a, a hurricane or a fire or anything, to go, you know, rifling through a file cabinet to figure out what papers we should save. Yeah. And paper, Laura, is powerful. You're a lawyer. You know that. I mean, I had to settle my father's estate and I went through all of his files and I did create a binder and I settled it from Cincinnati and he was from Akron. So I was doing this on the phone with the lawyer. And, you know, lawyers aren't $10 an hour. So every time I would meet with a lawyer, we would get a nice bill after that. And then they would do their work and they'd ask me to go find more information And then as a professional organizer, there have been numerous times where I've gone to lawyers with clients to get more information and figure out how to settle estates or how to help them when they're going through a divorce, which are both very paper-worthy events. Even if you have the most organized filing system at home, that does not help you in a lawyer's office. Your lawyer is never going to be in your house going through your files. And they're not going to know what's in your files. But if you have all of your financial information in a binder and you go to your lawyer's office and they ask for a certain piece of paper or if you have a business and you meet with your accountant and you want to go through your taxes at the end of the year and they say, do you have this form? Do you have this entity? Do you have this thing? You can flip through your binder and you either do or you don't. And then you know that you need to go get it. Or you can also flip through and say, hey, I still have these five pieces of paper here. What are these for? And numerous times with my clients, those were things that turned out to be money for us when we were settling the estate Mm -hmm. that the lawyer didn't know would exist and the client didn't know was worth money because they hadn't settled an estate before like I had. Yeah. I know this, this could be, I'm trying to think how to articulate this question because it's a big, a big question that is addressed very well in the book and not something that necessarily can be addressed in a quick answer, but In big picture terms, how do we know what kind of papers we need to keep uh, and put into these binders? You know, if I'm surrounded by stacks and piles or file drawers full of papers, how do I know what I should be keeping and putting into the binder so that I've got it handy like you've been talking about? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked this question because it is not incorrect to keep more paper. If I say, on average, people get rid of 85% of what's in their filing cabinet, but you really like your filing cabinet and you only want to get rid of 10%, that's not wrong. Like, there is no wrong here. You can keep as much paper as you want. You can get rid of as much as you want. But the two questions that I usually have you ask if I was professionally organizing your paper with you is, if you did not have this piece of paper how would you access this information? Do you have an online account? Is there somewhere where you could actually recreate this information if you needed to without this piece of paper? That's number one. And then the second question I usually ask people is, you know, what do you need to use this paper for? So for example, I tell you to rarely get rid of any paper related to your child's IEP or your medical history. And the reason why is because we do digitize our health history here in the United States, but health providers are only required to keep seven years of your medical records. So I can guarantee you there is no record of any surgery I had as a child, my immunizations. when I There is no record of that now. Mm-hmm. I'm 48 years old. So while it's not really necessary that we have that information that I had my tonsils out when I was 21, you never know in the yeah. future how that kind of medical information 
could help or hinder a diagnosis or a treatment in the future. For my children who have medically complex histories, I have all the different medications we've tried for all the different diagnoses in this binder so that when we go to a new doctor and they say, well, let's try this medicine, I scan through my binder. I say, oh, we tried that when he was four and here's the reaction and here's why we didn't do that one. Do you know how much time and money that saves mm. and how much better health care my kids have because I have that information? It's imperative to really take ownership of your information and not be waiting for a professional to take care of that for you. Okay, so the medical information, and I think you said that you should have a medical binder for each person in the household. Yes. And like, I don't have, I'm like, I have like 10 pieces of paper in mine. I do, I'm a very healthy person. I have migraines. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. And I'm allergic to dust. Other than that, I'm totally fine. But I do have a binder because our medical health histories are complex. It's worthy of that. Like your health is worthy of a binder and just have a place to add that information as it comes in. Yeah. In your financial binder, that is not like for every bank account statement or tax return you've ever had. Am I correct in that, that it's, that that's for kind of the most recent, the most current stuff? Yes. So the way we designed our medical and our financial binder were an answer for if you became a power of healthcare or power of attorney or executor of an estate. So after my father passed away, a friend and I who had also had the same experience made a list of all of the things that we needed in being the power of attorney and settling that estate. And we made a workbook that goes with the binder that I sell. And so while you have a lot of pieces of paper for your financial history, a lot of your financial history is actually people that you would contact, account numbers, passwords, information that's in your head or that you would find somewhere else. So don't imagine taking your entire filing cabinet and whittling it down to a two-inch binder. Think about all of the things that go into place for being part of your past, present, and your future money. Now, I keep my actual bills to pay, stuff like that, the actionable money inside of my Sunday basket. So my financial binder holds like our life insurance policies, our 401ks, our vehicles, all of our important papers like birth certificates, social security cards, passports, marriage certificates, all of that stuff where you're like, where's the important stuff? Mm -hmm. It's all inside of that binder. And the way we've designed our financial binder, it is for an individual or a couple because like Greg and I have mingled our assets. It would be very hard for us to have separate financial binders at this time. So you can use it for an individual or it is designed to be used for a couple as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, so much to think about there. (laughs) When I read the book, as I was going through, I was like making notes in the margin and and, uh, tabbing pages because there's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a very simple, straightforward system that, that is, as the word that comes to mind every time I think of it is your book is just very actionable. You lay it out for us, the steps. And so what complicates it, I think sometimes if someone wants to, you know, is feeling just overwhelmed by the paper they've got and uh, maybe wants to take steps forward, it's not all just an intellectual exercise. When we've got lots of paper around, there's an emotional connection to a lot of it. How do you yep. deal with that? And it's going to take time. Like as you're saying that, I just want to reiterate, this is not a weekend activity. It is 
probably the next six months of your life when you're really, truly going to handle all of your paper. And that's okay. Like you do the Sunday basket first, you get that up and running, you do that for about six weeks, and then you're ready to go through your filing cabinet and just do the big purge and get rid of as much as you possibly can get rid of. And then after you do that, then with what's left, you divide it into these different binders, three, four, five, six, however many you're going to make. You literally make piles or put them in boxes for those binders. And then you tackle one binder per weekend. You can see how that's going to take four to six months. For some people, it takes a year. And often we have not only our paper, we have our parents' paper and maybe our grandparents' paper in our house to deal with as well. So it is emotional. There is a lot to do. Part of why I waited to create the physical product and to grow the Sunday Basket system was I also wanted to have a certification. And so we have over 120 different certified organizers in the United States and Canada that can help you with your Sunday Basket, that can help you with going through your entire um, backlog of paper, either one-on-one as a professional organizer or because of COVID, these are all online, but they used to be uh, in-person weekend-long retreats. Like we used to meet at hotels and go through this and have it be more of a celebratory fun weekend away while you're actually productively going through your paper because you will, you're going to run across paperwork that will be from someone who has passed or pets that you have lost or a business that didn't go well. Or, you know, I ran across my infertility paperwork. Mm. You're going to run across paperwork that's going to remind you of times that are sad. Mm. I like the idea of, of giving yourself permission for it to take as long as it takes. And, and I, Mm -hmm. I think the book lays out the system and and anybody who picks up the book can, can get started uh, from, from looking at that. And I, I feel like I need to say at this point, you did not ask me to bring you on this show to plug your book. (laughs) I asked you after I read the book because there, and I keep talking about the book because I think it's just going to be so helpful to so many people. It lays out a path forward for those of us who are overwhelmed by the amount of paper in our homes, in our offices, wherever, and struggling because there's so much of it there and we can't find often the things that we need. I mean, I mentioned my husband needed to get a copy of our marriage certificate. It wasn't where it was supposed to be. Trying to find the thing was was maddening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I love about this book is that it takes you step by step through the process. But I, I like the fact also that you've done the work, you've done the you know, invested in, as you said, people and, and resources to make it easier for us, whether it's a person to come alongside and help you through the process or the actual binders. Cause you know, I mean, somebody could go out and buy notebooks at office Depot or something and, and kind of put it together themselves. But for those who want to get a head start, you've got resources available to help them do that. What have you seen from your experience in working with clients and, you know, researching and putting the book together and everything, what would you say are the top two or three benefits that you see people experiencing by going through the process of getting a handle on the paper in their lives? Oh, I love that question. Thank you for everything you just said about the book. Also, Laura, I find that you're not going to go into Barnes and Noble and be looking through books and go, oh, the paper solution. I was always wondering how to get my paper under control. 
when you are going to pick up this book or when you're going to read it after you've bought it is when the pain of not having your paper organized is greater than being able to just put it in the cabinet and just close it. Like you keep mentioning having to find that marriage certificate. And it's obviously bothering you that you didn't know where it was and it took you so long to find that. And that is exactly where people are when they start to take action on organizing their paper. Somebody has asked them for a piece of paper for the last time that they're like, why does it take me four hours to find that? I had to stop everything I was doing. You feel like you don't have it put together, even though you know it's here somewhere or you didn't get a bill paid or your child missed a birthday party because you misplaced the invitation. You go, enough. I'm tired of feeling like I'm always behind the eight ball and I'm not in control of my life anymore. So I'm going to get control of this paper. It's either that or there's a a significant event that just happened and you have to deal with the paperwork. You're getting divorced. Someone has passed away. Someone is sick. Your child just diagnosed with autism and you have to advocate for them. And so there is no longer this opportunity for you to say, no, I'm not going to do it now. It's hard. It's difficult. You don't want to do it. It's almost like you go kicking and screaming into, fine, I'll do the paperwork then, but I don't want to do the paperwork. (laughs) But once you get the Sunday basket started, and this is what everyone tells me, there will be a moment in the first couple months of doing the Sunday basket when someone will make a request of you that in the past would have just totally derailed your entire day. And usually it's when you're not at home. So a child will call, spouse will call, whatever. And they will say, I need to have X, Y, Z. And you calmly say, it's in the Sunday basket and it's in this slash bucket. And they go in there and they go, I've got it. Thanks. And they're off the phone. Hmm. And you're in the car doing a happy dance going, yes, I did not have to turn around the car. I didn't have to redo my day. I can keep going on to the next thing. Like you feel like you're back in control of your life again. Getting your paper in order, it sounds so odd until you actually do it. And what it actually ends up giving you is confidence. You get your confidence back in that you know what you're doing. Um, Another story is I was in an IEP meeting for one of my kids and the school was saying that the test results were wrong. And I was like, no, the test results are not wrong. And they're like, no, no, it's wrong because you can't have a number drop by 40 points, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, fine. I opened up my binder and I I gave them the previous report and I gave them this report in paper in front of them. And immediately the entire room The mood just went somber. They were like, how did this happen? This never happens. We've never seen this happen. Because I was able to pull out that piece of paper in that meeting, not say, I'll get you the form later. I'll email it to you. I pulled it out right in the middle of that meeting. I went from the crazy mom who has no idea what she's talking about to, oh my gosh, what is the matter? How can we support this child? This mother knows what she's talking about. We have to help this child. And that is what paper does. It makes your gut intuition real for professionals and your family to realize you have it together. You know what you're doing. Yeah. And just the peace of mind, I think that comes with that to know that the paper that matters is where you can put your hands on it at the time you need it. Yeah. You know, the other part of the system is helping you figure out what is the paper that matters and and what to do with yeah. the rest of the stuff. And there's so much more, you know, in the book about that and lots more that we could talk about. But I don't, you know, I don't didn't want to keep you here all day. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's just interesting to me because you're right. Getting paper organized seems like such a mundane thing that it's hard to 
picture what a difference it can make. And so I love the stories that you can tell, the examples you can give of where it has made such a huge difference and just the reduction in stress that can come from that, from, again, being able to to know at any given moment that an important piece of paper you need is where you can put your hands on it when you need it. Yes, it just makes you feel so much more in control. And if there's one thing we want to be feeling right now in late summer of 2020, it would be control of anything, anything at all. If you want to feel in control right now, you are in control of all the papers in your house. Go have at it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we've talked about that on the, on the podcast couple different times over the the last few months about how part of the stress of what's going on in in our lives and in the world right now is that sense of of I, it's all completely out of my hands i have no control mm-hmm. over anything whether my kids can go back to school in the fall whether we can ever take a vacation again you know any of that stuff. And so one, and that has created such a level of stress and anxiety for a lot of us that just kind of is always in the atmosphere. And one way to, to cope with that, to reduce that, to feel better is to find an area that you can assert some control over uh, and doing that restores our that that equilibrium that I think is really important to us and so this is a great project to undertake during a time like this especially if you're you know if you're stuck at home anyway and I'm assuming uh you know people can order notebooks and things online from any Mm -hmm. of the 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 paper stores but I'm assuming they can order the whole kit from you (laughs) they can Office supply stores are considered essential services. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. found that out. So we uh, we did send all of our employees home, but we shipped twice a week. We would just send one employee in to do the shipping when we were in stay-at-home orders, and we have masks, and we have all of those things. But yes, office supply stores can send you your products if you need to get more binders. But, you know, here's the thing. When you get the book, you realize, Laura, a lot of it is decluttering. Like, what you need is a yeah. shredder. <laughs> You don't really need to buy 18. Don't buy binders first, please. Do not buy 18 Ah. binders. You are going to end up recycling and shredding almost everything. I know you think there's no way I'm getting down to three to six binders. I'm telling you, you're getting down to three to six binders for your house. You might need a couple more binders for your business or, you know, whatever your work is. But for your house, three to six binders. I mean, even people who had more than one house that I was organizing, we did not need more binders than that. Hmm. So don't go out and buy all the stuff, get the book first right. and read it and you'll, you'll, you'll see, uh, and you can take it from there because there are steps that have to be taken before you get to the point where you put things in a binder and label the back of it and stick it on the shelf. So, mm-hmm. well, this has been so great, Lisa, I, 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 you know, thank you for the work you do. Thank you for writing this book and for being willing to come on the podcast again and share some of the key ideas from it. Anything else before we kind of move on, anything we haven't hit on that you think it's important for folks to know? I do want to stress what you said. Every time I have felt unnerved during the pandemic, and I tell you what, I don't know, I've got to figure out, refigure out my habits, my routines. All of those have gone out the window. But anytime I start to feel anxious or stressed, which I didn't used to feel, I just focus on what's one more thing I can do at home that I am in control of. You know, work on your photos, 
work on your paper. I do a jigsaw puzzle. You've got a whole bunch of books in your library that you probably haven't read yet. Pick one and start reading it. Take a hot bath, go for a walk, clean out a closet. You know, when you get in action and start moving and organizing and doing something inside of your home, it gets your brain firing in a different direction and you naturally feel less anxious and more like you're in control. So really double down on everything related to your home. You are safe at home. You're in more control at home. Enjoy your home. Enjoy the people that are in your home with you. Put on headphones if you want and listen to more podcast episodes if you need to social distance from the people in your home. Um, (laughs) But enjoy some of this time. Like how many times have we said, if I just had more time at home, (laughs) you have more time at home now. Here it is. So Lisa, what's on the horizon for you? What do you have coming up either personally or professionally that you're excited about looking forward to? One of the things I love about the company I've created is we don't have very many products. We have the Sunday basket and then we have the 100 day home organization program. And then we have an upgrade to all access, which includes all these binders. And so because I've created like these three membership levels, I just keep pouring new things in to the membership levels without raising the price. So like I said, our Sunday basket, which is a $97 product. We have a 90-minute every single week virtual workshop that you can go to to go through with your Sunday basket with a professional organizer. And in the 100-day program in September, we are adding an online app. So for people Mm. who are in that lifetime membership and they keep going through their house, we're going to make it a better mobile experience with an app. Very cool. So where can people connect with you if they want to learn more about what you're doing, uh, if they've got questions? I mean, we'll, I'll, put, I'll certainly put a link in the show notes to where they can click and go buy a copy of the book. But if folks want to connect with you, see what you're doing or ask you questions, where's the best place for them to go? Yep, I'm Organized 365 everywhere. So Organized365.com is the website. If you search Organized 365, you'll find our Facebook page and our Facebook group. And then the podcast is also called Organize 365. That makes it easy. And we will have links to all those things in the show notes. So if somebody's driving and can't remember that, they can go to the show notes and click on a link. Uh, Thank you again, Lisa. Let me ask this before we kind of wrap it up. uh, We've talked a lot about paper and getting those things organized Beyond that, do you have any last words for the listener who might be looking for a little help or encouragement and getting things done, making a a life that matters? What what would you say to her? Yeah, you know, recently I've stopped talking about to-do lists. I stopped doing to-do lists years ago. The Sunday Basket helped me do that. But yet I found on weekends I was making lists, but they were not to-do lists. And I realized this summer what they were. They are possibilities lists. So I make a list of all the things I might want to do this weekend on a Friday night or a Saturday morning. And then I pick one and I start doing it and I keep going back to my list. But on the end of Sunday night, when I look at my list, there's no sense of, oh, I didn't get that done or I should have gotten to that because it was never a to-do list. It was a list of possibilities of how I might spend my weekend and things I might want to do. And by the end of the weekend, I just look at all the things I did and I throw the rest of it back into the Sunday basket and I pick it again next week. So stop holding yourself to the expectation that you're going to have this list of 24 things on it and you're going to get it done every single day. No one ever in the history of the entirety of the world has ever finished a to-do list. Like it's impossible because you keep adding things all the time. So stop Mm -hmm. running your life by to-do list. Put all of your actionables in a box, 
go through it once a week and then make a list of possibilities of how you might be spending your time and give yourself more grace. I love that so much. A possibilities list instead of a to-do list. Just just thinking of it that way is kind of fun. So thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate you and the work you do and I and appreciate your time. So thanks. Thank you so much, Laura. I am so grateful to Lisa for coming back to the show and taking time to talk with us about managing paper clutter. I hope you found it as interesting and as helpful as I did. If paper clutter is an issue for you, as it is for most of us, and you'd like to get a handle on it once and for all, definitely pick up a copy of The Paper Solution. It's available on Amazon and really wherever great books are sold. And I highly recommend it. I've talked about it before. I found it very practical, very encouraging, but very, you know, just very actionable. And she's got a system in place that will help you get where you need to go on that issue. But do you have any questions for Lisa or for me? Any thoughts on the things that we talked about? I'd love to hear from you. I know she would as well. You can share your questions or your thoughts in the comment section of the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 308. That's also where you're going to find all the links to Lisa's book, to her website, to where you can connect with her. You can also post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page page. Or if you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, post your question in there. Lisa is actually a member of that community. And so if you tag her, she will see your question and I'm sure she'd be delighted to jump in and answer it. If you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can do that by emailing me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. I read every single email and I reply just as quickly as I can. Uh, I think that's it. If you'd like to make better use of your calendar, don't forget to check out our sponsor, Woven. You can try Woven today for free. So to learn more and to get that free trial, visit woven.com slash podcast slash TPW and uh, try it out for free. Thank you so much to Woven for supporting the Productive Woman podcast. And that really is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and with Lisa. I hope you felt like it was worthwhile and you found something in it that's helpful or encouraging to you. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and definitely to yourself and go make your life matter.